welcome to Sustain, the podcast where we talk about sustaining open source for the long haul. Who are we? Where do we come from? Where are we going? We're talking about quadratic funding again? That's actually kind of cool. It was a pretty fun topic class. That's not a question, Richard. Okay. Before we introduce our guest for the day, I want to introduce the two other panelists. We have Pia Mancini. Hi, everyone. And Alyssa Wright. Hi, everyone. We also have me. Hello, everyone. I've tried to temper down my enthusiasm because I know that the next guest we've had on twice before is the most enthusiastic person ever. So we have Kevin Owaki on again. Kevin, how are you doing? Hello. Good to be here. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> great it's to great, to, great to have <laughs> me. I can't match your enthusiasm, but I'm excited to be here. I think we yeah, should well, refer to Kevin as returning champion, Kevin Owaki. <laughs> There we go. Yeah. To talk about democratic funding, which is a completely new concept. Which is going to be really cool. We have a really exciting announcement to make today. It's actually one of the reasons we're making this podcast at a different hour, although none of you listeners will really care about that. But we've gone out of our way to make a special edition to talk about what is it, a pilot program, a fund? How does it work? Who wants to give the rundown on what this is? So we are working on a project called fundoss.org, which is basically going to bring a model that Gitcoin's been prototyping in the Ethereum and crypto ecosystem, funding open source software to the Web2 ecosystem. So basically what fundoss is going to be is that we've got a matching pool of $75,000 that we're going to be funding open source projects with. And that matching pool is going to go to projects that the crowdfunding campaign funds. And so the crowdfunding campaign is going to be live in early March, and we're going to allow people to just fund projects. But the gimmick is going to be that there's money from the matching pool that's being allocated every time you, as a user of FundOSS, does a crowdfund campaign. And one of our goals here is to really give people an incentive to fund their favorite open source projects. And you could put in a dollar, you could put in $5, and that helps us allocate the matching pool. So it gives you a real incentive to vote with your dollars. And that's fundoss.org. You can check it out right now. And it's going to be going live in early to mid-March. Kevin, how is this different from traditional matching that happens? Yeah. So there's this formula called quadratic funding that we're going to be using to allocate the matching pool. And I'll save you all the math or reading the 35-page economic paper. It's backed by real math and real economics. The way that quadratic funding, which we're calling democratic funding for this pilot works, is that even a $1 donation could mean $50 or $100 in matching. And the way the formula works is that the projects that have the most broad support of funders are going to be the ones that get the most matching as opposed to traditional one-to-one -one matching, which sort of optimizes for the rich and the few. So the whole point of democratic funding is to optimize for the preferences of the poor and the many, as opposed to the rich and the few. And that's part of why quadratic funding has helped power a lot of funding on Gitcoin grants, which is the project I'm working on. And we've done over $5 million worth of funding for open source software in the last two years using quadratic funding, battle-tested it in the Ethereum open source community. And now we're bringing it to the wider web and open source community, thanks to Open Source Collective and Open Collective. So really excited about this partnership. And I think that Fund OSS is going to be a really democratic way to fund open source. So really pumped on that. 
And one of the things I'm pumped on is that over the course of the two years that Gitcoin has been building these grants, you've been able to support not only with millions of dollars, but able to support 7,000 projects or over 7,000 projects. I feel like the breadth of the potential for this type of matching is a really exciting part of what we're doing. It's the first time that we're doing any sort of matching campaign. It's, I think, follows the ethos of our work to raise the voice and the agency of everyone. As you say, not just the rich and the few, everyone is important too. And for me, an example that really grounds this work is that if there are 10 people that all give a dollar to a project, that means more than one person giving $10. And so we're looking and we hope that the collectives will take part and be partners in this pilot with us. You know, if this is successful, we are planning to do this regularly and that the collectives can activate their network and their dependencies, you know, to support their dependencies, excite their donors so that, again, we can all kind of multiply and demonstrate the team support of a project. Mile high view again, because I should have said this at the beginning, but this is all new to me, too, in some ways. Fundoss.org. New fund, matching fund, open source projects, any open source projects, not just Web3 crypto land from Gitcoin, which is where Kevin traditionally has proven this before. $75,000 is in the first round that's already in the matching pool, right? So it's already there and set aside. More can be added by people who decide, I want to donate to this open source project, which is really great. And the more people who vote, the more money goes to those projects. So it's not just a this is going in a general fund that we're going to choose React and they're going to get all the money. It's more like, hey, I really like this one project and so do a few other people. So they're going to get a bit more money, which is really cool. Do I have a, a good grasp on what it is? Yeah, absolutely. I think that the one of the main kind of benefits of this or why we're doing it is we are really after community signal. We're really after the community telling us what's important to them. What we've been seeing a lot in open source funding in the past couple of years is that a lot of super hot projects that maybe are very popular are getting a lot of the dollars, but that doesn't mean that there aren't projects that everyone is relying on that get fewer dollars, but from more people. And so we really want to see that community signal. We really want to see surface what we are missing in terms of funding for projects and proposing a new path for projects that are very popular in a community that a lot of people are dependent on or they rely or that really make their lives kind of easier on a day-to-day basis, but they don't have the big dollars. We want to surface that and we want to make sure that we are supporting them. I love that. So one of the main issues with open source in general has been that when you have funds, it tends to go to just really popular, really dynamic projects that just get everything. And oftentimes what they can do is they can hire someone to go out and get more money. Like the classic nonprofit problem where the one nonprofit has the one grants person who's really good who goes to get all the grants, and then they use that money to get all the grants, and then everyone else is kind of scrabbling around trying to figure out how to get into the big pool of money. And this is a problem in open source. So what you're saying is that democratic funding, quadratic funding, whatever you want to call it, let's make it pretty simple, just a matching pool that uses an algorithm to try to allocate money in an equitable way in a way that shows that the people who vote should have some say in how it works. That's exactly right. And so what we're doing is this is a crowdfunding campaign where even a dollar donation makes a difference to these projects, but it's also sort of creating a preference map of 
who cares about what projects in the ecosystem because every dollar donation is an expression of interest in that project. And so in the most recent Gitcoin grants round, we raised a million dollars over a two-week period for crypto open source projects for digital infrastructure in Web3. And we had 25,000 donations during that two-week period. And so we've got a dense map of what people care about. And the key thing is that we don't want some power broker deciding what to allocate the projects to. This is your peers deciding which projects are worthwhile, everyday internet users deciding worthwhile. And that expression of vote of $1 is a vote that the matching pool should go in a particular direction. And that's what's powerful about this concept. This is all coming out of Vitalik, right? So he was the one who came up with the quadratic funding idea. This hasn't been tried before. This is like a new concept for the open source ecosystem. Yeah, so we've done it eight times in crypto open source software, just trying to support yeah. digital infrastructure, make sure that crypto ecosystems don't get hacked. And we've done four or five million dollars worth of funding in open source. We actually have done a pilot in non-open source and non-crypto called Downtown Stimulus that was basically quadratic funding for helping local businesses that were recovering from coronavirus. So basically what we wanted to do was battle test the idea that it's not just crypto hipsters that this concept works for. It's a fundamental piece of game theory and psychology that people can vote with their dollars on what they think is important. And that downtown stimulus pilot raised $45,000 in two weeks for five downtown businesses in Boulder. So we're pretty confident that the game theory and the psychology is going to work in broader web two and open source. But this is just the tip of the sphere, I think. If the pilot goes well, then we'll be doing a lot more of these and hopefully supporting the broader open source ecosystem with regularity. One of the features that we've seen with Gitcoin grants is that every quarter, the ecosystem knows that this crowdfunding campaign is going to be happening. And so they can adjust their behavior from working on ICOs or working on projects for private gain to working on the public good, to working on open source software and digital infrastructure. And so that regularity is something that's really adjusted the behavior of people in the Web3 and crypto ecosystem. The allegory in Web2 is what if we could just keep having these campaigns running every quarter and you could expect that you can work on your NPM module, you can work on your PIP module and not have to rely as much on your income from the bank that you work at or something like that. So we're really trying to adjust the behaviors in the ecosystem to move more towards working on the digital infrastructure that people care about, as opposed to projects with private gain associated with them. Can you talk a little bit, because like, you've been doing this for quite some time, about like, why do you think this is a good way to fund the commons? And yeah, just chat a little bit about like funding of the commons and kind of the radical markets framework to it. Yeah, I have to admit that I'm not an economist. I'm just sort of like a web designer, website person that can take economic concept and bring it to web scale. From what I understand is that public goods, which are goods that are non-excludable and non-rivalrous, you know, so things like clean air, clean water, privacy, open source software is a public good, suffer from something called a free rider problem, which is basically like, well, this good is non-excludable and non-rivalrous. Why should I support it? Why should I give it my dollar? There's no paywall for open source software. And so there's this free rider problem associated with public goods from an economic angle. And so the matching of if I only donate a dollar, this project's going to get a hundred dollars. That's sort of the psychological hurdle that we're getting people over with the free rider problem in quadratic funding. But there's a whole 35-page paper, I think, about quadratic funding and why it's the mathematically optimal way to fund public goods. 
And I think we would have to invite Vitalik Buterin or Glenn Weil or Zoe Hitzig, who wrote that paper on, in order to really speak in depth about the game theory there. One of the things that I remember or that impressed me the most when I was talking to Vitalik about this is how in one of your rounds, I think people started funding someone who tweeted (laughs) a lot about Ethereum. And like that wasn't something that you would have thought of doing at the beginning because it wasn't in your radar of just funding good evangelizers. And but the community decided to do that. And so that's what interests me the most about this is like finding those spaces where we're blind because we have our biases or preconceptions. We are setting out to fund open source software, but maybe we'll end up funding someone who's really good at community building in open source and not necessarily who's doing great software. And that is like where we are going to find the most value in using this mechanism. You know, I think it's important that not just people who have audiences are the ones whose projects are going to be funded with this. We recently have been putting a lot of effort over on the Gitcoin side to making sure that people are checking out with multiple grants in their cart at the same time. And so that means that you may find out about a specific grant from a Twitter influencer, but the hope is that you're adding several other grants that are adjacent to that to your cart and checking out all at once, funding a bunch of public goods all at once. And so when we first started Gitcoin Grants, the average checkout was 1.1 grants per checkout. And now we're up to eight grants per checkout. And so I think it's just important that we have a broad sense of distribution of those projects that people don't know about. Another feature that we just launched on Gitcoin Grants is collections. So basically, we could see Richard Lidauer's favorite open source projects all together. And so I think Navigating according to this is a person who I trust and these are what their tastes are allows uh, in not making it sort of dependent on any sort of central authorities discovery ability tools is an important part of surfacing those projects that don't see the light of day as much. But it's an iterative process. A fund OSS, the pilot is going to be iteration one of this. If we see your support as a listener to this project, then we're going to know that there's something there and we're going to keep iterating towards doing rounds every single quarter in the Web2 ecosystem. And so we'll iterate there with FundOSS, but I would treat Gitcoin grants as sort of a future version. The iteration that we've done there is sort of stuff that we can treat as research to bake back into the FundOSS project. And building on that, Kevin, I was wondering if you could speak to how collectives that are participating can make this a successful campaign for themselves and their budgeting. And as you say, like the projects that may not be as visible, what can they do? So we'll be releasing a blog post that will have a guide for exactly how you're going to want to promote your project if it's participating in the pilot. So the first thing is to go to fundoss.org and apply with your project to get into the pilot. That's just sort of the table stakes for being involved. And then from there, we'll have a communications guide that tells you how to tell your community about your project on FundOSS. Drive some traffic there. And the key thing that I think that you want to tell your audience is that, hey, just a dollar really makes a huge difference to me. Show that you care enough to give a dollar and it's really going to allocate more of the matching pool to my project. So TLDR is... You want to tell your community about it. You want to tell your peers about it. Your peers' opinion matters with democratic funding. But we'll have a comms guide for grant owners that will be able to tell you exactly what you can say. And we'll have some marketing collateral that you can use in that as well. We've been saying the word we a lot here, or you've been saying the word we. One of the 
I really wish that English had an inclusive versus exclusive we, which is some languages have this thing where you can say we, meaning we, all of us, but we, meaning not you, is another distinction, and English doesn't have Latin it, and it really annoys me as a linguist. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, Latin doesn't have it either. Uh, we have been saying a lot that it'd be really, that we have this fund. And Gitcoin's obviously a part of it. Open Collective, Open Source Collective is another part of it. I believe, unless I'm wrong, Wildly Sustain has also put in money towards this fund, which is new. Sustain is traditionally started as a conference, I mean, in San Francisco. Pia, do you want to talk a bit about how we got to the decision and what enabled us to do that? Yeah, so Sustain Community, which this podcast is a part of, a huge part of, you know, we set out in 2017 to discuss <laughs> sustainability in the open source ecosystem to kind of build a conversation. And we've been growing the community. We've been growing the work that we're doing. And so we received a grant from Ford and Sloan for Sustain. And we decided, the Sustain community decided to spend a chunk of that grant in the democratic funding experiment. Again, the idea here is to support not only kind of a new mechanism to fund open source projects or kind of the larger commons of our ecosystem, but also to shed light on those projects, those community members, those community managers that we are not giving enough uh, to. And so we're hoping the community can signal that for us. Awesome. That's super cool. How much money did we put in? 25,000 of the 75. No, yeah, well, it's good to see that Sustain is moving forward, speaking as, you know, someone who observes Sustain going by, but also someone who's deeply involved. So it's just really nice to see that we're, we're giving money. And it's one of the reasons why this is such a cool idea. Can we acknowledge also the other large sponsors of the work? So pass it off to Kevin to let me speak to the other sponsors of this work. So. In the crypto ecosystem, there is a credibly neutral platform called Ethereum that lots of people are building different things that you can build with programmable money. And one of the things that I care about is programming my values into my money so that open source software is sustainable. And that's why I've built Gitcoin. Other people in the Ethereum ecosystem have done ICOs. I think much of the audience to this podcast has maybe heard of Ethereum because People built ICOs and had new fundraising vehicles on the Ethereum space. And I just want everyone out there to know that Ethereum isn't just ICOs. There are projects that are doing really valuable, innovative things with programmable money in the Ethereum space. And there is a lot of innovation that you wouldn't see if you weren't in the ecosystem. And so things are moving at a breakneck speed in the Ethereum ecosystem. And Gitcoin Grants is, is a part of funding that innovation we have uh, the Gitcoin Grants matching pool is going to be contributing $25,000 to the pilot here. And then we have one of our donors, Kane Warwick from Synthetics, which is one of the top DeFi projects in the world, who has also pledged $25,000 to the matching pool. And the thing that we really want to do is we just want to send a signal to the wider Web2 community that Ethereum is going to be good stewards of our digital infrastructure and that we hope to take what we've battle tested in the Ethereum space and bring it to the wider Web2 community. We're here, Web3, which is what we call the Ethereum space within Ethereum, is built on top of Web2. We're all building on the shoulders of giants, and we're just so thankful to our digital infrastructure for supporting the innovation that we've seen in the open web 
And so that's why we're contributing 50K to this pilot and hopefully to pilots in the future. Love it. I know I say love it a lot, but really that's super, super cool. I have some technical questions which I feel like have to be asked. So there's a huge pool of money. Who's skimming off the top to support doing this work? How is it funded that you are all here? Who's funding this? Like, is there any amount of that matching fund which goes towards the owners? Like if, you know, PayPal had a matching fund, I imagine that they would take 8% or something, right? So what's going on there? Does any of that money go towards the people running this fund? We actually haven't even talked about that, have we, Pia? No, um, we I, think, <laughs> I, I think for the pilot project, we're not really interested in, in taking any sort of fee. Pia, kick me over the ta- under the table if I'm wrong. But I, I believe that over the time, we're just going to have to make sure that Gitcoin and Open Source Collective are funded. And so that may change over time. But for the pilot, no. Is someone kicking you under the table? Because there's a lot of drumming noises all of a sudden. That's not me. I'm not kicking you under the table. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think my daughter needs my attention. I will emphasize that this is a joint venture with Gitcoin and taking those lessons and signals with Open Source Collective. And so for this pilot, we are technically integrating with Open Source Collective and that like funding mechanism. So both collectives that are already on the platform, as well as open source projects that may want to participate will need to be a collective on Open Source Collective in order to participate. That makes a lot of sense. Open Collective doesn't work worldwide, right? Does it work in every single country? That's a difficult question. question. I know. It's a tough question. It depends depends (laughs) on what you mean by works. The platform is available. We accept credit card donations from all over the world. We have fiscal hosts in many different countries. We have obviously maintainers and collective admins. Yes, everywhere in the world. There are some countries which may be hard, but if you if so, if you can't apply, I'm asking for the maintainers out there who are who are like, I want to do that, but it like doesn't work for me. Please get in touch. We mm-hmm. we will yes. try to make it work. Um, and not we. I'm not part of Open Collective. I don't know why I said we again. The inclusive versus exclusive we. It's really useful in other languages. <laughs> well, I will. I will just say that Sustain like is a partner in this work, and so we I think is appropriate, including both the donors, large and small, as well as the collectives that will help us test this pilot. So use we as much as you'd like. In terms of countries, uh, I think it is like significant. I think there are like 220 countries recognized by the UN where we're over half. And so, I mean, we do cover most of the world, including contribution through Bitcoin, not Ethereum yet. We're working on that. But I think this is like stands as like another bridge and learning space for the Web3, Web2 combined ecosystem. Trust the open street maps person to know all about geographies. Thank you, Alyssa. I have another question, which is, say I fund a project or I want to fund the project in this matching scheme and it's on a collective. Does any of that money go towards the depths of that project or is it top level only? Is it collective level only at the moment? Say I want to fund NPM and NPM has a thousand dependencies. NPM is a bad example because they're registry. Uh, I want to fund really cool projects by a really cool person, but really cool projects is a JavaScript project that uses NPM and has 15 dependencies. Does any of the money go towards those dependencies or is it only towards really cool project TM? Not automatically, but one of the things that we hope in like the servicing of projects that may not be as visible is that the collectives recommend their dependencies that they know are important and need to be sustained alongside their own work. So that communication and activation and excitement will be a key part. 
in the platform, when you kind of check out with a project, there will be other recommended projects to consider including in your donation. So we hope, I think, integration with dependency trees and scanning like the whole sort of supply chain of projects is something that we really do want to integrate, not only with this, but across a lot of different work. But as that uh, continues to be a problem that we are collectively trying to solve, it has yet to be integrated into this pilot. Cool. I just want to make sure because I feel like it's an important point because this pilot is great because you're having people vote with their wallets on which projects to fund. And you're claiming that somewhat that this will help solve the problem. Quadratic funding helps solve the problem of all the money going towards the really popular projects that somehow this will go towards the lower, less popular projects that are also interesting. But if we're only funding projects that people point out, then existentially, we're almost there, but there's a bit more work to do. So I'm sorry to point that out, but it's just, I really feel like that's an important part of the conversation. If anyone's yeah. interested in following along with that conversation, we also have a dependency tree working group at Sustain, where we have these conversations all the time. And so you should join in with that, just saying. And I'm a member, as is Richard, and it is fascinating. We really do encourage people to join this work. And there's a lot of experimenting as well as projects, both companies and you know experiments that are trying to solve this problem. I think is potentially, Richard, you brought this up because there's clear momentum in this work. So check out the Sustain Working Group, Dependency Working Group, to take part further in that aspect. Richard, I just wanted to address your point about the only the popular projects getting funded and that being such a problem. I'm super passionate about illuminating the projects that aren't as popular. Maybe their author doesn't have a huge social media following or they won't get discovered because of that. And one of the things that we're trying to do is leverage the attention from the people who do have the large following, bring in visitors to fund OSS and to Gitcoin grants, and then basically have related grants that they can add to cart at the same time as they are checking out with the project that they came for. And so this gets into what kind of discoverability engine do we build for, for grants and how do we get people that came in for one project to also window shop at the less popular projects. And so you'll see some glimmers of this in the Fund OSS pilot, but since this is going to be an iterative thing that we're designing, you'll see it improve over time as more Fund OSS pilots are rolled out. And that's definitely the North Star. And we're not going to be there in pilot one, but it's something that we're going to be iterating towards. Okay, great answer. Thank you so much. So that was really great. And I'm really glad that we had this conversation. As you can tell, we're all amped up. We're all super excited for fundoss.org, which will be live by the time this podcast is out. So go check it out right now. We'll wait. We won't actually wait. So (laughs) yeah, go check it out. Tell your friends. Tell your maintainers that they can get money and try and maybe give some money to them, which is really cool. That's pretty much where we can learn about this project. For the rest of us, you all know where we are. For Kevin at Gitcoin, who's been on this podcast thrice now, if you want to hear more about quadratic funding, go check out episode 50. It's also a very fun one. I heard a Blue Jay was my favorite part. And I highly suggest you go listen to that. Otherwise, Kevin is available on Twitter at what? At Milwaukee? Yeah, that's right. That's my last name, O-W-O-C-K-I. So because this is a sustained podcast, I need to make sure that we also get the spotlight because it's great to talk about cool things, but we also need to share where spotlights happen. Before we do that, Alyssa has a final point. Yeah, I just want to be clear about call to actions. If you are a collective or really an open source project that's interested in participating in the Fund OSS work, 
please sign up and refer a friend. If you refer a project that is selected to be part of the collective pool, you get a $10 gift card. So incentive to both be part of this work as well as raise the and surface the awareness of other projects. If you happen to be a donor, large or small, that wants to contribute to the pool for the matching, it's 75K, let's get somewhere much larger. Come to the collective page and contribute in the workflow there. And finally, if you have any questions about any of this, I mean, yes, please connect with us on Twitter and social media, as well as you can email us at hello at oscollective.org. All right. Thank you so much. Excellent. Spotlight. This is the part of the show where we talk about dependencies, projects, people, things that have really helped us out and gotten us to where we are today that need more love, very much in the ethos of sustain. I'm going to ask Pia to go first. Pia, what's your spotlight? So my spotlight for today is a project called Zanga, Z-A-N-G-A dot tech. And it's a platform that facilitates access to circumvention, privacy, and digital kind of security tools for Arabic speakers. So they do like this amazing work that they translate tools and descriptions and FAQs into Arabic, and they make them available for download via different channels. So we are contributing to this project from the Open Collective Foundation via a grant that we have, and we are very excited about supporting them. So zanga.tech. Awesome. Thank you. I love that. Kevin, what is yours? And it can't be fundoss.org. I guess my spotlight is Ethereum. I just want your listeners to sincerely know that it's not just ICOs. It's a platform where you can program your values into your money and we can build an open source financial system. So the design space is just so vast. The internet of information changed the way anything that relies on information in society runs because we can now send information over a computer network. It changed entertainment and changed politics. It changed media. We now have the internet of value. We can now send value across a computer network without an intermediary. That means that we could reinvent banking. We could reinvent insurance. We could reinvent jobs. We can reinvent the way our public goods are funded, like open source software. And so the design space is so vast. It's so interesting. I just hope that people know that it's not just ICOs because some of those projects, they suck. And I don't want them to be representing what Ethereum means to the world to to the wider audience. So check out Ethereum. Thank you. Alyssa? Uh, I'd like to spotlight some people, and this is FundOSS related because that's where all of our spotlights are. I'd like to acknowledge the other three people on the team, Zach Herring, Sanchez Mittal, and Octavian Tadiru. Kevin can correct me if any of that was failure, but they have been critical to making this happen with balancing various things. And so if it really wasn't a collective effort to kind of bridge what Gitcoin has been doing and what Open Source Collective is all about, these people have been critical to that work. So we thank them. Thank you for thanking them. We should have done that earlier. That's wonderful. My spotlight today, I changed it because of Pia's. It's my repo. It's an awesome repo. It's called Low Resource Languages. And it's, I'm not spotlighting me. I'm spotlighting everyone I link in this repo. It's got around a thousand links or so. Everything I could find on tech for languages that don't have tech online. I wrote my master's thesis on this, so this is actually part of my master's thesis. But it's a really interesting field. There's no reason that we shouldn't have Inuit 
languages or Gaelic or Abenaki languages on the internet. The only reason that we use English is because it's part of the huge colonial capitalist system. And it'd be really cool to have indigenous languages online as well. So here's a lot of work that other people have been doing to make that happen, which I think is just really cool. And with that, I want to thank all of our listeners. It's really great to be able to talk again with Kevin, but even more to talk about funding open source maintainers and doing it in a new way with more money, with money coming out of Sustain. Super exciting. I hope you're all as excited as I am. And again, please check out fundoss.org. And until then, have a, have a good time. Catch you later.